Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Retirement. It's something we all look forward to, but so many throughout our country aren't prepared for it. It's a crisis, and it's top of the mind for politicians, including Congressman Randy Feenstra and Congresswoman Ashley Hinson, both of the state of Iowa. And that's why we're talking to them today. First, you'll hear from Congressman Randy Feenstra about the Secure Act 1.0, which is designed to make it easier for employers to offer retirement plans and the proposed Secure Act 2.0. After that, we're going to talk with Congresswoman Hinson, who is also sponsoring the Secure Act 2.0 and who is talking about the Main Street Tax Certainty Act, which would make tax relief for small businesses permanent. So stay tuned because we've got a great episode for you. Hey, everybody, and thanks for joining us again. I am here with Congressman Randy Feenstra of Iowa. Congressman, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Hey, Gene, great to be on with you today. I really appreciate all that you do and uh, look forward to our discussion. Yeah, well, it, it, it is a good discussion. And uh, let me let me frame what this discussion is. Right, right before we started recording, we were having a whole conversation about um, Okaboji, which is just where I was yesterday, um, speaking to the community bankers of Iowa. Beautiful area for any of you guys watching or listening. And, you know, you want to take a great vacation with your family. Okaboji, Iowa is wonderful. Um, but, you know, it's this conversation is about the SECURE Act, you know, or at least the second version of the SECURE Act, which you're one of the sponsors of um, for, the, for the House bill. And it, it really did amaze me, you know, Congressman, you know, and I'm speaking to uh, this group of, of bankers, you know, there were like, I don't know, 140 or so in the room, the sort of um, lack of awareness of this, you know, like these are the very people that are dealing with farmers in Iowa and small businesses and people that could really take advantage of uh, for the first version of the Secure Act, let alone what's coming next. And I just feel like, you know, we need to be doing more to get, you know, awareness out. So let's start at the beginning with version, the first version of the Secure Act. And, and I don't know the answer to this, which is why I'm asking you is, uh, were you involved much in Secure Act, you know, 1.0 that passed back in 2019? Yeah. So, so I looked at it. I was not uh, uh, in Congress at the time, but looked at it, uh, there needed to be upgrades and things like that. And that's why I was so excited to secure 2.0 act came out and then to be a part of it and, and help, uh, uh, create some of the things that are in it, uh, to make it better. That's true. And we're going to dig into some of those details just to get your thoughts on them. But, um, what, what attracted you so much? Like what was it about the 2019 secure act? Um, which, we, again, we can discuss some of the features of it, but what was it about it that, that said to you, like, hey, uh, this is so great, I, I really want to be part of the next iteration of it? Yeah, well, the bottom line is this, is that twofold. A, we have so many people, so many employees working day to day that sort of forget about their retirement. Yeah. And, and, and the, the Secure 1.0 Act was saying, hey, everyone, uh, small town, small business employers, we have an opportunity to partnership with your employees to make sure that they're saving for retirement. And that's what the Secure 1.0 started. It started going down that path. Secure 2.0 then uh, put the bones or put the, put the flesh on the bone uh, on, on how to do it. 
So it's a collaborative effort with uh, with employers, uh, small uh, companies uh, looking to help their employees, and then the employees incentivizing them to make sure they can invest uh, into their their retirement. Yeah, I agree. When It's funny, when the first version of the Secura came out, it was like at the end of 2019, and it, it was going to be a big deal, but then COVID hit, like in March, you know, and it kind of overshadowed that news. So for those of you watching or listening to this podcast and you're running a small business, just be aware that the Secure Act, first of all, offers tax credits for you to help reimburse you for setting up. This is Secure Act from 2019 for setting up a 401k plan, particularly if you have less than 100 employees. Um, we have a retirement crisis in this country. Um, not enough small businesses are setting up 401k plans, right, Congressman? It seems to be a big issue. And that is correct. And, and what, what that little the tax credit does, it offers up to $1,000 based on the number of employees that, that you have. So it, it helps you pay for the cost of doing the paperwork of of getting your, your employees uh, onto a 401k or a 403b program. So it, it, it helps them. And then also on the backside, it helps the employee not only to save, but there's also for a lower income employee that they can also get a simple tax credit uh, to, to help them. And there's so many other nuances, but it's a win-win to help that, that, that uh, small employer that may, maybe has 20 or 15, 20, 30, whatever employees yep. uh, to get involved and to do something great for their employees. And, you know, it's funny about that. Not only uh, with, with the original Secure Act, you know, reimbursing employers for setting up the cost of, of you know, or reimbursing for the cost of setting up a 401k, um, it, it, it reduces the cost as well. It has something called um, an option for pooled employer plans as well, where now, you know, if you're a small business, there are some onerous costs potentially of a 401k. You have to get like maybe an audit. There's filing costs with the Department of Labor. But now because of these PEPs, these pooled employer plans that are now allowed by the SECURE Act, um, you know, you can pool all of your plans with a bunch of different employers that aren't even related to you. Right. And then that way yep. you can reduce your costs. That's exactly right. I mean, the 403B program does that, that you have multiple employers that can pool together and, and, and offer the employees uh, a wonderful retirement program. And if you think of yourself as an employee, you know, that's one of the first things that people ask for. Hey, A, I want health care. And by the way, B, do you have a retirement plan? And here, if you're a small business, it gives a great opportunity for them to to be on that same level playing field as the bigger corporate uh, uh, employers. You, you you would like hit the nail on the head. You know, when we um, obviously this year for small businesses, there's a lot of challenges. It's, there's challenges every year. Uh, but, you know, we have inflation and supply chain. It's big headaches. But labor is is top challenge. Right. Uh, finding people. And it just blows my mind how many employers they don't have a 401k plan. And then they're trying to recruit employees to their companies and any employee. Right. They, they, this is the kind of stuff they want. Well, I tell you what, the great thing about this also, so you're, you're a small employer and you're trying to attract somebody out of college with this plan that the Secure 2.0 will do is say, hey, if, if that employee has loans, college tuition loans, that 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 employee can pay off those loans and, and the employer through this program can match putting that extra match into a 401k. So instead of having an employee-employer match, it's using the employee's uh, tuition payment as a match for the 401k for the employer. I mean, it's a win. So somebody coming out of college saying, hey, you're going to contribute to my retirement plan. 
this is a great thing. Yeah, it really is a great thing. Um, in this next version, this 2.0, because what, what you were just talking about is in this the, the, the bill that you're sponsoring, which is not law yet, but I'm going to I'm going to ask you for your thoughts on when this is going to happen. Um, let me ask you about a few of the other features of, of what's coming that we can expect. There's one feature in there about raising the, the uh, minimum distribution age to 75 years old. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So, so right now, the minimum distribution age is, is, is 72. So people have to start uh, taking out at 72. Uh, that's a pretty big deal when people are still working. We're finding now people are working at, at an older age. They don't want to uh, have disbursement. So now that goes up to 75. The other big thing is the catch-up part of it. So right now, there's a catch-up. If you're 62 and you want to put more money in, you think, hey, I don't have enough money in my 401k. Uh, right now, it's 5000 The When the bill passes, it will go up to 10000 So those that are thinking about retirement at an older age can put up to $10,000 in as a catch-up uh, amount. And, and that that is, again, a very important thing for those that are looking to retire in the next five to 10 years. I agree. Um Congressman, what is the saver's credit and you know what part does that play in the in Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because to me, this is such a critical part of this. So the saver's credit is a credit that a tax credit that you can get based on your income. So if you have a lower income, uh, let's say you're just you're not making as much as others, you can get a tax credit based on your income. And it goes from what you put in, it can be all the way up to 50% all the way down to 10%. So it could be as high as, you know, hey, I put in uh, $3,000 into my 401k, you can get up to a tax credit of 50% of that. Or it could be as low as 10%. But what it does, it, it tries to help lower income people save for their retirement. And that's what the saver credit does. It, it incentivizes people uh, to, to try to save. And I, that's what I love so much about this is trying to get those people. And you think about it. Those are the people that are going to really struggle. I mean, the lower income people are going to look at it and say, hey, I don't have the dollars uh, to put in as a match uh, for my 401k. But if you give them a tax credit that will offset 50 percent of that, that is a win. That's a huge win for them. You know, it's funny. I was at um, earlier this week before I went to Okaboji, uh, I was at a client in Trenton, New Jersey, which is not as nice as Okaboji. Um, and at this client, they have about 150 employees. They have a lot of, um, uh, by the way, I, I'm, I'm a CPA. So, you know, I, we have, I have clients up and down, you know, in, in the Philly area. Uh, the, uh, this client has a lot of hourly workers in their plant. A lot of them are, uh, they don't save for retirement. That's right. And, you know, uh, to me, and I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, the biggest challenge for this, for the owners of this company is just educating their employees. You know, um, they have a lot of immigrant employees as well. So not coming from other places where there's not a lot of trust in institutions or the government, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on what employers, like, what are you telling Iowa small businesses, you know, to, to, about getting the word out about this kind of stuff, yeah. you know? Well, well, well first, first of all, the small town, uh, the small employer, you know, they're just trying to, to scratch out a profit. Yeah. And, and they're trying to figure out who we can keep as employees. You know, I mean, right now with with employment, unemployment being around three percent, everybody's just just trying to keep employees. And it's hard when you're a small business because you you train them and all of a sudden they go to the bigger corporation. So I'm telling a small employers that this is your opportunity to compete with the corporate level that you can give a, a retirement program and that you can help out your your employees 
by offering them this, this match. And then you get incentive. You get a tax credit up to $1,000 for helping do the paperwork. But for that small employer, they have to see how important this is because every employee is asking for it, whether they say it when they come in the door or when they're, they're thinking about taking that job. If you can right up front say, hey, we have a 401k match, uh, that, that could be a game changer on hiring that next employee, that great employee that you might miss out on because they're going to go to a larger corporation. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Just a couple more questions, a couple more features that I just wanted to make sure that, that we, 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 we got the information out. There's a tax credit for uh, making these benefits available to military spouses. Can you explain yeah. what that yeah. means? Yeah, uh, provides a small tax credit available uh, for military spouses. Again, uh, you know, job relocation. You know, you think of the military. They're, they're, they're relocating, and here's an opportunity that there could be a tax credit uh, for relocating and, and going to that, that small business, wherever it might be. Uh, and, and, and again, we're trying to incentivize uh, people that are changing jobs, changing positions, and looking at, a small business versus a large corporation. And that's what this military, uh, the small uh, military tax credit will help do. Got it. And finally, um, there is also some tax incentives, you say, for um, uh, employee stock ownership plans. And, uh, you know, and Congressman, I have to say, I've been talking a lot about employee stock ownership. I just talked about it yesterday in Okaboji, Okaboji, mainly because, um, you know, if you're running a business in Iowa, um, you might have a very good profitable business and it's a beautiful place you know, to be. But, you know, as business owners are getting older, we know that there is a uh, you know, there's this silver tsunami that is happening. I mean, the average age of the U.S. small business owner is uh, around 55 years old. And, and I'm sure if you look at your voters and your demographics and your constituency, you see that, too. So if they're looking to exit, it's not always easy for them to find a buyer. And yet they've got employees. Sorry. Like, and I'm seeing more and more right. people set up ESOP plans or employee stock ownership. That's exactly plans. right. You see so much of that happening right now for that small business that uh, they're offering their employees an ESOP program that the employees can buy in and they can take over. Uh, and what this bill will do, it will cut that red tape uh, for, for stock ownership. And that's been the biggest hiccup right now when you talk about ESOP programs is there's so much red tape involved to get it done. Well, this streamline, streamline the process and it incentivizes, dramatically incentivizes employers to go down this path to, to offer this ESOP to employees. You know, I'm glad you said this, Gene, because this is such an important part of this bill, because I think this is sort of the future uh, when that small employer wants to get out of the business and you have employees that want to take over, but there's not dollars there. This bill allows that to happen, takes away some of the red tape, but it also offers that incentive there uh, for the employee and employer to make it happen. Absolutely huge. And for two reasons, for, well, three reasons. One is that there's, like you said, there's great tax incentives for setting up an ESOP, which will be enhanced with this new bill. Um, it is a way for an employer to exit their business, which is you know, what mo most employers want to do ultimately have a succession plan. And you can't get a better employee benefit than giving your employees a say in, you know, in the business, right? I mean, that's what the narrative is nowadays is that employees want to really feel like they have a, a part in, in, in the place that they work for. And this bill seems like it encourages, it provides even more encouragement um, and tax incentives for employee stock ownership plans. 
Yeah, and you just think about the, the small business. There's so many, you know, thousands and thousands of small businesses. This makes up the heartland of our country, right? It makes the makes up who we are. And, and if we can help uh, small businesses be successful, and how are they successful? By having great employees. How do you get great employees? By making sure that you have uh, what the employee wants. And here's an opportunity that retirement plan is one of those big things, and that's what this bill does. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. I'm going to let you go in a minute. But before I do, um, I, so tell me about the future. We're, we're having this conversation right now. It's like the middle of July. Um, you know, you, there's a bill in the House. There's a bill in the Senate. Um, I, I, you know, with all of the talk about the lack of partisanship and the acrimony in Washington and all of that, this is definitely one piece of legislation that has a lot of bipartisan support. Yeah. So tell me yeah. what your expectations are for when this bill becomes yeah. reality. Yeah, I tell you what, this bill has a lot of legs and it passed out of the House. Uh, the Senate has a bill. Um, so it's just a matter of if, if the Senate's going to take their own bill or take this bill up. Um, talking with my Senate colleagues, I truly believe this is going to get passed after the summer recess. It'll probably happen late September, maybe early October before the election. But I'll tell you this, why is it going to pass? Because, uh, again, politics is everything when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, how to get a bill passed. This is something that both sides can go on the stump and talk about how they're helping small businesses and how they're helping employees save for retirement. So that's why I think it's going to get passed. That's why I think it's so important. And uh, I'm doing everything I can to make sure that it gets signed into law and that we can help our employers and employees. Congressman Randy Feenstra represents the state of Iowa, at least the district in Iowa, which I'm not going to know. What, what is your district in Iowa? I'm, I'm not from Iowa. Yeah, it's the 4th District, North, North, Northwest Iowa, the 4th District. Yes. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Congressman. It was great speaking with you. I uh, want to wish you best of luck in Washington. Hope you enjoy the rest of the summer. And uh, we'll look for the SECURE Act, the next version of it coming out, because I think a lot of businesses will definitely benefit. So thanks for the information you provided. Yeah, sounds great, Gene. Thanks so much for having me on. So you just heard from Congressman Feenstra, who has given us a great background of the SECURE Act 1.0, as well as an intro to the SECURE Act 2.0, and how those are designed to help small businesses and their employees with savings for their future and retirement. Now, our next guest, Congresswoman Hinson, is also very involved in the SECURE Act 2.0, as well as the Main Street Tax Certainty Act. So let's hear from her about the importance of these two pieces of legislation and how they will impact you, the business owner. Uh, Congresswoman Hinson, thank you, first of all, so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jane. It's good to be with you. It is good, and it's good to be with you, and it's great to talk about the SECURE Act version 2.0. Uh, I've actually been, I've been having a lot of conversations about, not just because Paychex is an HR firm, but I've been writing about it. I've been talking to a lot of people about it. Uh, the Secure Act itself got so little attention when it was first passed because it like, remember like it passed like in December of 2019 and then COVID hit and, you know, it just kind of got passed, you know, passed up. So you're involved in, in, you know, a new version of the Secure Act, like a, a 2.0 version. Can you, can you explain to us what you're doing with that and why you sponsored this new bill? Yeah. So first of all, I think a little history is important here. Um, my father was a financial advisor. And so I spent my um, childhood growing up around a money manager, literally. Uh, he gave me a, a ledger book when I was in sixth grade and taught me how to manage my money. So I knew money into the bank of data. By the way, that is, I have to say, that is so sweet. You know, most fathers would give their daughters like 
you know, like a cuddly toy or a bike or whatever. But or Barbie. Legible. No, my dad gives me a bank book, right? Like right. That's, <laughs> that's the house I grew up in. So um, I, I learned very early on, you know, about, hey, if I'm going to give my dad this money to put in the bank, um, here's where my ledger looks like and, and what savings looks like. Don't spend it all. And I was, you know, when you're young, of course, you're like, great, I've got money burning a hole in my pocket. I'm going to get out there and spend. And then you don't really start thinking about it until you're, you know, working age. And when I started thinking about it, I was 22 years old. Um, I was making eight sixty-five an hour. And my dad said to me, he goes, Ashley, you need to start saving for retirement now. And here I am making $16,000 a year as a, a starting out reporter in Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, but what I learned in that conversation was that compounding truly makes a difference. And if you want to shave years off of your work, you have to start saving early, even when you're, you know, even when you're saving a very little amount. And so uh, when I started digging into that and I looked at, you know, specifically millennials and how little they're saving and Iowans in general. I mean, I, there's a significant chunk of Iowans who have less than $5,000 saved for retirement. So it was my goal to make it easier to save, but to continue to put a, um, an emphasis on how important it is to save. Um, we're at a really tough time right now in the economy too, where people have had to dip into their emergency and their retirement savings to get by. So um, that's where I thought this was a really good piece of policy that not only incentivizes saving um, for, for our younger people in all ages, but um, really give some flexibility in that um, in that regard as well to employers. And so that's where I think this is such a strong piece of legislation. It really is. And, you know, it, it's I know we the, the whole narrative is all about the employees, the employees, the employees. But, you know, you know, our audience are small business owners as well. And so many of my I'm a CPA and so many of my clients don't have retirement accounts like 401k set up. And, and a lot of them don't even realize that. You know, the more that their employees save, the more they can save for their retirement as well, right? Absolutely. And that's where the employer uh, provisions in this bill are, are really critical. Um, you know, the 403B plans, I did some work on that um, when I was a state legislator to help um, teachers have more access to 403Bs. And now we're we're opening that up for people to work together to pool plans and, and find other opportunities. Um, I, I just think that's a really, a really good provision. Also, employers can, you know, really look at matching um, the contributions to retirement accounts um, based upon student loan payments. So that's a, a great recruitment tool for our small businesses to be able to say, hey, I'm going to offer this as a benefit too. Um, and again, I, I, you know, when I talk about young people and, and the need for them saving, um, you can you can save and you can pay off your student loans at the same time, which I know many people are facing that challenge and trying to figure out how to afford all of those things. So um, those are, again, some of the things that I think are really important provisions of the bill. I agree. Um, so, Congressman, you know, one of the issues that I have uh, with, with some of my clients, well, I'm in the Philly area, so we have you know clients all up and down the mid-Atlantic area. Um, they, they, a lot of hourly workers are, are immigrants or they're not used to you know, putting money away for retirement. This bill is going to have like an automatic enrollment mm -hmm. function, right? Yeah. Can you yeah. explain that a little bit more? And also, you know, what would you tell your small business constituents how to explain this to their employees? Yeah. Well, I, I still remember, you know, I, I, I just learned about it from if, if you pass up this money, you're passing up free money for your retirement. Right. And that's kind of the, the way I tried to look at it. But uh, we know that obviously it it by auto enrolling, you're increasing participation, but we're still allowing people to opt out. So it's not a you have to do this, but we're going to opt you in. Try and save some money. And then if you choose, that's not right for you. Um, you know, that's obviously your decision. But I think this is a great way to try to encourage more people to participate in these programs. Again, that's a win win um, to, to help really uh, pool those savings up and, and 
people don't realize they they don't. It's kind of like the the money that cinches off your bank account. If you put it into savings and you don't see it, you don't even realize that it's coming off your paycheck. And I think that's a, a really great way to explain it to people: is a couple of dollars here and there. You're going to spend that on a coffee. You should be saving that for retirement, and then it'll be worth ten dollars instead of two, right? And so that's where I think that uh, as an employer, explaining that to people about the automatic enrollment provision and how you know, that will really just help them to save without even realizing they're doing it um, is, a, is a really good way to communicate that. Great. Um, this bill as well is a um, uh, is providing older people to continue to put money away for a longer period of time than what they were previously allowed. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I think when you look at um, the age requirements, we've got, um, you know, these required minimum distributions. We've got a lot of provisions on on retirees that um, are, are complicated. So when we look at uh, flexibility there, um, people are working longer, people are living longer. So any anything we can be doing to allow more flexibility and more options there is, is a priority. So that's one of the provisions of this. It allows uh, for longer saving there. The other thing I think uh, to mention too, you, you talk about missing, missing revenue. Um, I, I know when I was 22 years old, I moved from job to job. Um, and I think it took me a year and a half to get a hold of the right people. At, I think it was Empower, and I was trying to go back to them and go, oh, I, I, I know I had a plan there. I don't have any of the information. And so uh, the other thing that this does, um, you know, when you get to be a certain age and you thought, oh, yeah, I did save money um, when I was you know, working at this place. It has kind of a, um, a lost and found for retirement plans uh, provision in it as well. And so I think that's a really, really great tool. So, um, you know, this this kind of like you said, the original version that passed. Um, at the end of 2019, this kind of looks at, and it's truly a bipartisan bill. And I think that's really an important uh, thing to mention, especially with all the drama that seems to be happening uh, here in Washington, D.C. these days. But um, those are just really common sense provisions to allow people, again, more flexibility to save money, um, different options to save money, um, different tools for the employer to help their employees save money, and tools for seniors to be able to be more flexible in the long term. So I think when you look at all those provisions, no wonder it had overwhelming bipartisan support in the House. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And you know, we're we're going to get to. I, I, I want to talk about you know the other bill that you that you're introducing. But before we do, um, just one a couple final things on the Secure Act as well. There is you know more tax credits to help employers set up a 401k plan. Correct. Uh, yes. And there is a continuation of the pooled employer plan provision from the original Secure Act as well. So all of that should really reduce costs for employees. I guess the takeaway mm -hmm. is, if you're an employer, you, you really need to be talking to your benefits administrator or your accountant yes. or your attorney, whoever does that kind of stuff. Yep, and, um, and but, absolutely, people can reach out to our office too if they have uh, questions about it. Um, you know, we'd be happy to help answer or navigate, especially in Iowa. If you're an Iowa constituent of mine, please reach out to our office. We'd be happy to help navigate you through the provisions of this bill. Great. All right, that's really good information. Um, uh, just to make sure, there is bipartisan support. I know there is, you know, a, a similar bill that's working its way through the Senate, also with bipartisan support. Mm -hmm. Kind of seems like a no-brainer. Is your expectation that this bill will become legislation this year? Well, I hope so. I mean, I, you think about what we've experienced through this pandemic, and I, I mentioned this kind of when we started talking about it, but it's been a really hard time. People are starting to dip into their emergency and retirement savings. And um, this is a, a bill that I think sends a strong message about, about the prioritization of savings um, and making sure that you can weather even when a really bad storm hits. And so that's what um, you know, I, I'm going to continue talking about it. I hope the Senate comes to a good agreement or just passes our version because I think our version is really great. So um, I would think the Senate would uh, take something up as well. But I'm hopeful we can get this up, across the finish line this year. 
Okay, great. Um, let's pivot to the Main Street Tax Certainty Act. It's kind of a hot issue, actually, right now, because I know that, and I don't want to get into a whole, you're, you're a politician, so it's, you know, people, you know, yell and scream politics, but um, I know that, you know, Senate Democrats are working on a bill uh, that could potentially begin taxing uh, some pass-through businesses that are making over a certain amount of money, um, you know, to fund some of the initiatives that they want to do. Your bill, though, that you've introduced called the Main Street Tax Certainty Act wants to take the 2017 Tax Act provisions that were passed and really make them permanent because a lot of them are going to expire in 2025. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, I was hopeful. Um, I was watching everything in 2017 as a state representative, uh, like because we we were working on tax policy in Iowa too, and I I was hopeful that they would make that provision uh, permanent. Um, but unfortunately, they set the sunset for it at 2025. And so, um, what I have had in many many conversations with small businesses was that we need to make it easier for small businesses and families to save for the rainy days. Um, and when you look at the the amount of money that a lot of these pass through entities um, have, it's uh, it's reinvested in their business, it's reinvested in their employees, and so that's where I see you know what you may see on paper doesn't really reflect reality. Um, and when I'm talking to all of our small business owners, what they want is certainty, right? They want that long term certainty so they can make those investments in their businesses, um, which is what they want to do. They want to grow and expand their business. So um, simply uh, what we want to do is make that permanent, um, that 20% pass through uh, tax deduction for our small businesses permanent so that they do have that long-term certainty. Um, I've done a lot of Main Street tours where I literally go walk and talk with Main Street businesses. I just um, recently completed, uh, I do 20 county tours every quarter in my district. And so I, I've talked with dozens of small business owners about this and and what they're saying is, hey, it, we have not only the uncertainty of uh, record high inflation, but now you're saying we might not be able to invest in our businesses because we don't know how much we're going to have to pay in taxes that the government's going to come for. So um, this is about sending a clear message to our small business community and our, our job creators that, hey, we want you to be able to have that flexibility and we want you to be able to provide for your employees and we want you to be able to continue to invest in your business. So um, I, I, I'm disturbed that uh, I serve on the House Budget Committee and the Appropriations Committee. And um, in the House Budget Committee, they actually put forth um, in the president's budget um, a repeal of an, they would repeal a number of the provisions of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So um, it's not the right time to be raising taxes on hardworking Americans. We should stop spending money we don't have, in my opinion. Yeah, I, um, I could agree with you more. You know, it's funny, even before the 2017 Act, every year, and again, I'm speaking of this as an accountant here, every year there was the whole tax extenders circus that happened at the end of the year. You know, yeah. are we going to extend some of these provisions? You and know, the healthcare provision. Yeah, everything gets yeah. looped in at the end of the year. Yep. Yeah, everything gets looped in at the end of the year. And, and these things are like really significant to a lot of small business owners. And sometimes these decisions weren't made. It, they would get passed literally on December 31st. Um, it's very, very tough to plan ahead when you do that. And as we all know, I mean, taxes are like the number one biggest expense for most of our businesses. Yeah. Uh, and we should be be allowed to extend that. I'm kind of curious. There were some there were some provisions in stimulus bills that extended certain things also to 2025. I'm thinking of like the work opportunity tax credit, if you're familiar with that, and the uh, you know allowing businesses to deduct uh, you know loan repayments, you know, take a full deduction for it. But I'm assuming those aren't included in your bill. Yours is just focused on the 2017 right. 
tax bill. Is that correct? Right. That's correct. Okay. And I, I would say that if, but reach out to our office if that's a priority for you or let us know how you're utilizing those. Because uh, one of the things that we have found very quickly here, policy can move at a snail's pace or it can move with such fury you don't even realize what's getting looped into these bills. So yeah. if you care about those and you're concerned about them, please reach out to us because then we can know, hey, this bill, if, if, if it's flagged for us, then we can know it's something we need to go to bat for should it end up in as a provision in one of these packages. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, the Emergency Savings Account Act is something else that you are involved with. This is different than the Main Street Tax Certainty right. Act. Tell us right. about the Emergency Savings Account Act. Right. Well, so I mentioned, you know, earlier we were talking about secure and how important it is people can save money because right now what we've seen is a lot of people dipping into those not only savings, but into their retirement accounts too. So we want to incentivize people to actually uh, save money the good old fashioned way. So uh, the Emergency Savings Account Act would provide um, individual taxpayers uh, the ability to save $5,000 per year uh, by making tax-free contributions to an emergency savings account. So married couples can do 10,000, individuals five. Uh, we just want to incentivize people to be ready to weather those storms, as we said, and, and make sure that you have that incentive to save, uh, whether it's for a pandemic or a family emergency. Um, that's uh, where we're saying, hey, the government doesn't need to tax that put that money into savings and um, let's be better prepared. So I got to stop you right there. So first of all, that's awesome. That's nothing to do with retirement. This is just so you can build a nest egg in case of emergencies. Right. Um, and as far as you know, do, do you know, and again, if you, it's fine, uh, as far as the details, does it grow tax-free um, or uh, you know, are the earnings of that taxable over time or do you not know? I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'd be happy to look into that, but I know our intent right. is to just simply get people to just get the initial seed right. money into an account. Yeah, that is absolutely huge. And there's a small business portion of this, the small business emergency right. savings. Uh, tell us about yeah. that. 25% of the uh, payroll expenses tax-free into an emergency savings account. So um, that's the Small Business Emergency Savings Account Act. And that um, kind of it's meant to be all of a, a package of how to get people, again, to be better financial stewards of their money and be better prepared, again, to weather these emergency situations. So hold on for that. So say I've got a payroll of $100,000 for my employees a year. So you're saying I could take 25% of that and say Yep. And this is tax-free for my – this savings are for, for the business owner or for the business owner's employees? For the for the small business owner, so it's twenty five percent of their payroll tax tax free. Yeah, that is amazing. Okay, that is amazing. Uh, great stuff. Uh, anything you want to you know add to this conversation, Congresswoman? This is I mean, we, we've talked about obviously the Secure Act. We have talked about uh, the Emergency Savings Preparedness, the Main Street Tax Certainty Act. A uh, lot of great stuff for small businesses. Am I forgetting anything? Yeah. Well, I think. What these are are common sense economic policies, and that's where I've just tried to focus is on what I'm hearing from our small businesses. And a strong, a small business economy is a strong, uh, large economy, right? Because we know our small businesses are our job creators, and and they're doing that every day. And um, so, what I'm going to try to do every single step of the way is put forth these common sense proposals that can help solve these problems. Um, meanwhile, we're seeing this kind of other narrative uh, where you know there are these tax increases threatened and um, uh, regulation threatened. I mean, that's another side that we didn't even get to today. We could probably have a whole other podcast on that. Um, but um, but that's those are the two biggest things that I hear from people back in the district is that their uh, their livelihoods are being threatened with um, some of the policy proposals out of uh, President Biden is his administration. So um, I'm going to do everything that I can to push back against those and and make sure we're just being smart about helping people save money. 
Congresswoman Ashley Hinson is a Republican congresswoman from Iowa. Uh, congresswoman, thank you so much for joining me. Great information. I want to wish you uh, best of success in your battles defending small businesses. It's very much appreciated. It's a it's a battle every day, but I'm willing to fight it. So we'll keep going. Fair enough. Thanks, Gene. Thank you very much for joining us and you take care. You too. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.